Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Hello, Revolution Podcast. We are back. Quinn, your headphones are weird. Tell us about the condition you are suffering from right now with your headphones. Yeah, I'm, I can hear more out of my left than I can hear in my right. Do you think that's your headphones, or do you have like... A bug in your ear, something. I'm thinking I, it's not a bug. Do you, should you go to the doctor? Or you know what? That checked out. Like I could soak mm. yourself in some water. Or you know, what, maybe maybe I'll just like, you know, when your like ears are plugged and you're on the airplane, you just like plug your nose and you blow really hard at your ear. See, I'm that. too scared to do that. And like, I I was on an air airplane, like I was on a lot of airplanes a few months ago, and that hat, like your ears get plugged like that. I was too scared to do that because I thought, I thought something, I thought my eardrums were going to pop out of my ear or something. I don't know. What? I was, I don't, you know, <laughs> it was just, I just, I was sitting in the airplane really in my head. There were some strange people sitting next to me and I was like, I, I, I could do this, but imagine if my ear started bleeding next to that. And you know what the weird thing was, Quinn? What? I didn't even care that it would have, like if my ear was bleeding because my eardrum burst, I didn't even care that that would hurt. I cared that the people would laugh at me who were sitting next to me. I got some stuff I need to work on in my heart. I think I think I care too much about what people think of me. <laughs> Whoa. Should we talk about my feelings for the next half hour? You know what? I would love to. No, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't have any. Oh, wait. We have facts. got... Facts. Yeah, Just kidding. Facts. We have got a question today, Quinn. Mm-hmm. Why does the Bible call us slaves? Um, Let's kind of we, we talked a little bit about like the biblical con- conception of slavery maybe let's use that as an introduction to kind of bring people up to speed of like yeah man I, I would love to start this conversation of um like knowing what the bible actually means by slaves um and then then the question is like oh so why does it call us that um because the bible i'll just say this briefly and then you can jump off what i'm saying the bible doesn't mean what a lot of modern people think of slavery when it uses that term. Mm-hmm. Um, slavery in the biblical age was very different from what we like the like the transatlantic slave trade. Um, slavery uh, in North America, um, where like tribes in Africa would um, catch people from other tribes and sell them to um, slave traders uh, from the West, from England and from uh, the United States and from Canada. And then those slave traders would bring them back and sell them off to masters and they'd be severely mistreated. And like, it was a very racial sort of thing. And that evil, evil thing. Um, That's, that was, that wasn't what slavery was in biblical times. Definitely not in the Old Testament, not even in the New Testament, uh, where a lot of our passages come from uh so where would you like to start off kind of explaining the biblical conception of slavery yeah. um just looking at exodus 21 yeah um i mean the header says laws about slaves so i think first off i mean you can read almost the whole chapter the first 31 verses and most of it is like the people who own the slaves first mm-hmm. of all it was like a currency in a sense yeah so like and a lot of times you had you had these slaves um to help pay off a debt, um, but in return you would give them food, water, and a place to sleep. Yes, can I can I clarify what I think you mean? Oh, yes. Um, okay. The 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 so let's say uh, there's a man in a family and he incurs a debt with somebody else that, and he's yes. unable to pay it off. The way he'd pay it off is he becomes a, a slave with air quotes around that to that person that he's indebted to and works off his debt. Um, 
And yeah, it was like you said, it's a form of currency. It was a voluntary thing. It's and because labor has a price. And so, and I don't have the money to give you, but I can work for you until my labor is the amount of labor I've given you is equal to the amount of money that I owed you. So it was a voluntary thing that people would enter into in order to pay off debt. It was a very legitimate sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But continue. Yeah. And and the whole point wasn't wasn't to hurt them or to abuse them. It was simply to have them work um almost like like you have a job now in a sense mm-hmm. um where your employer pays you yeah for your job but in in this sense it's you're paying off a debt exactly that it was yeah. meant to be a really good um yeah it was supposed to be almost a healthy thing yeah and i mean the bible has lots of laws about like treating those people who are called slaves like treating those slaves well feeding them clothing them um all those different like you you're not allowed to beat them and that sort of thing right mm-hmm. um so anyways that's kind of the picture of slavery especially in the old testament um new testament um Paul, I, be, I believe, takes a similar conception to it. I know the Roman um, practice of slavery was a was a bit different than the Jewish practice, um, but Paul's largely writing to a Jewish audience at times as well. Um, anyways, um, is there anything you'd like to add? I, th- I think that's the best kind of starting point for what the Bible has like means yeah. when it says slavery. Yeah. I guess just this this one sentence. Uh, in Leviticus 25, it says, you may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule one over another ruthlessly. Mm. You, you're not supposed to abuse them. Yeah. that yeah. That's kind of, yeah, I was saying it, but I was just trying to back it up. Totally. Yeah. A little bit. No, that's great. Sweet. That's perfect. Awesome. Um, um, slavery yeah. in the New Testament follows a similar conception as far as I'm aware, as far as I've read uh, in the Bible, outside of the Bible, um, on studies in this. Um, and it, also has the sense of um like what would you say dedication almost like this is uh like Mm -hmm. almost what what would you say this is something you're working for entirely something you're dedicated to um this is kind of your purpose right your your purpose is to do this work um and so, and so then we come to certain Bible passages, um, and they are very, very interesting, I think, especially with reading our modern lens, but they would have been very interesting to, or even like shocking or um, provocative to people in Paul's day reading them because free people weren't slaves. There's a big difference. Like slave, especially like when now at the time Paul's writing, slaves were often the like the lower class, the poor, the destitute, and the free people were the wealthy ones. Um, and so it was seen as a lowly, very humble, almost humiliating practice um, to be a slave. Um, not something that well-to-do, respectable people would get themselves mixed up in or be a part in, uh, a kind of filthy, humiliating, disgraceful sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come to passages um, like Philippians 1, where, where Paul begins by saying, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, first to himself and Timothy as slaves. Um, did you want to add something there? Yeah, and and even and and I think as I was doing some research and kind of thinking about this, um, again in Leviticus twenty five it says, um, I'll just it says, uh, who have been born in your land and they may be your property. Mm. Um, and and I think going off of that, it's like 
you're you're part of that. You're giving your whole self to that. Mm, right. Um, in that sense, does that kind of make sense? Like yeah. uh, slaves of Christ, you're giving your whole entire being and purpose mm-hmm. to Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. We're totally going to get there um, with this. Uh, just looking at the passages that refer to uh, Christians as slaves. Uh, but right. you, you're absolutely right. Like that's that's definitely the intention um, behind these passages. Uh, so yeah. So Philippians one. There's a few other introductions. Peter refers to himself as a slave of Jesus. James refers to himself as a slave of Jesus. In Second Timothy two, uh, it says, "And the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome." Th- there's a Greek word. It's doulos. Uh, in different translations, if you guys are looking at any of these, uh, it might say servant, bond servant, or slave. Um, every time I come across it, I use the word slave. Um, I believe that's a, I, it's it's rendered differently depending on the context um, because um, slave can be seen as a bit of an aggressive word compared to something like servant. Um, I believe I've been convinced by. You know, I'm obviously not a Greek scholar, so I, I can't argue for that on my own brain power. But I've been convinced by um, certain Greek scholars that it's more consistent and faithful to use slave in all the translations of this Greek word. And so in these passages, depending on your translation, I might say servant, bondservant, um, but the word is the same and the idea is the same. And we're just going to be using the word slave to translate all that in here. This is in the, in the Lord's slave must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everybody. And it lays out a few things as a Christian that we must practice, but it is referring to Christians as slaves. And Here's one in Romans 6, a bit of a longer passage. It says, Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you prevent yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin— have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. In other words, he's using um, metaphors that, the, that we can understand as humans to refer to divine realities by calling us slaves of sin, slaves of righteousness. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mm -hmm. So there's two pictures. Paul's saying there's two types of people. And you were once one of them, but now you've become another. There are people who are slaves to sin and people who are slaves of God. We can ask, so why does the Bible, this is, I think this passage is key to understand why does the Bible refer to us as slaves? What, Quinn, would you say it means to be a slave of sin? Yeah, I would say part of, 
um, being a slave to sin means um, living living a life that is not in tune with God mm. um, and not actively pursuing that. Yeah, I mean, look at verse sixteen it says, um, "Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one who you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness." You either you either love sin mm. and obey it and are a slave, which means to follow it completely, yeah. or you're a slave of righteousness, which right. means to try and live that that good life, that right life that God has planned for you. Mm-hmm. There's no in between. So that means mm. just 100% just being like, you almost have nothing to do with God. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good. Slave of sin. So you're saying... To be a slave of sin means to, you used this phrase and I actually quite liked it. You said it means to love sin, um, which by contrast, maybe just as the broad principle to be a slave of God means to love God. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can start um, and we can, this is a good place to like get into an answer here of exploring this, but this can help clear up maybe a misunderstanding that can come. Being a slave of God doesn't mean that we are forced unwillingly to serve God. Cause I, 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 I think the way you define that is completely from the text, um, and from other texts that support this. Um, but you, you defined a slave as somebody that loves their master. Um, and your master is either sin or God. So you can love sin or you can love God. But in either case, um, slavery in this sense, to be a slave of the, the, this, these, these things is not to be unwillingly forced to commit yourself to them. It is to dedicate yourself to them out of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, are either loving sin or you are loving God. That's there's, good. There's no in between. No in between. I mean, Revelation three mm. um, says, "I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase it." QSV. QSV. Awesome. Uh, so you're near, neither hot nor cold, uh, and that's about all I get in that path in that part. But it's mm. so I will spit you out of my mouth. Mm. Um, you're you're lukewarm. You're in between. You, you can't be in between. It's you have to be for God or against God. That's good. Matthew 6, uh, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasure, treasures on earth. Oh, you might, I'll come to that later. Uh, later in Matthew 6, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. But this is, this is how he says it. He finishes off by saying that, he says that no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, he will devote the one and despise the other. And then he says, you cannot serve God in money. <laughs> like oh not god and okay like maybe that's yeah, god and sin god and money okay we can i think one route is like you look at that and look at the romans passage and you're like those are two separate things i like to see them as the same thing but why is paul talking about you're a slave to sin or a slave to god and jesus seems to be saying you're a slave to god or you're a slave to money what what does that mean um and I think I don't. Well, I, first of all, I, th- I think Jesus is referring to a specific example of what Paul means, um, and he's he's. I think he's using the best possible example to help people wrap their heads around this. In what way do people love money? Yeah. Um, 
maybe I can shoot out a few thoughts and you'll let me know. Um, people love money because it gives them security. Yeah. People love money because it gives them high standing. Um, people love money because it's how they get what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah, it, it, it gives them what they, de- they, money gives them what they desire. Um, and yeah, I already said money, money, money gives them high standing. In other words, it makes them look good in the sight of others of this, in the sight of those whose approval they seek. Um, and so in that sense, they serve money, um, and they love money because they believe it will give them what they want. They believe it will give them the standing, you could say the identity, the position that they want. They believe it will fulfill their desires and it will give them security, comfort, safety. That's how people serve money. Um, but Jesus, and but I love that because Jesus draws a direct parallel from the love of money to the love of God. He says, you can't do both. And so it's like, well, then that means that instead of loving money in those ways, we're supposed to love God in those ways. Oh, so being a slave of God means to find security in God. It means to seek God to fulfill our deepest desires. It means to find our position and identity and high standing in God. Okay, I think that can expand our perspective on what the Bible means by calling us slaves, by saying that we must serve God. I love that example Jesus gives. And it, it actually fits super well into the discussion around slavery because a master would provide for their slave. They would feed their slave, clothe their slave, give their slave housing, those sorts of things. It was like in many, and I, I know slave is such a violent word nowadays, but it really was a loving thing in a lot of ways at the time. Um, and so, so yeah, so, so you just, and so in, in like money will provide for us, uh, it will give us what we need. And it's like, no, Jesus says, no, don't love money that way, love God in that way. And so we're supposed to love God in that he provides and protects us as a master would do for their slaves. So you can see all the connections there and kind of maybe expand our understanding of this a little bit. Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah. And, and I guess kind of going off of that money, it's like, like you said, it's, we, we want money to look good and, and all this, this showy stuff. But as, mm-hmm. as we realize we, we suddenly will get into greed mm. of money um, and greed of wanting more and greed's going to, Greed can take us down a bad path, but but like you said, instead we should we should be hungry for more Jesus, mm-hmm. hungry so to praise Him more, yeah. to love Him more. I I think that's that's obviously that's more important than money because, um, where's the verse? It says, um, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and de- rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal." Yes, that's that's what we're not supposed to do, and, and money goes away. Mm-hmm. Money's going to leave us. God doesn't leave us. And yeah. that's what we're supposed to hold on to. Absolutely. Um, just what you said there, uh, Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Um, man, just that idea of like hungering and thirsting, like needing to like and like like food and water are what you need to survive it's not just like like um the way you might want chocolate or the way you might want 
coffee, right? Like hungering and thirsting is for your necessities, for the things that sustain you and fill you and and power and propel you. Um, and we're supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, and Paul in this passage in Romans says, um, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful. But maybe we let, now, now let's, this I think leads into some good reflection because Paul immediately says um, that you were once slaves of sin. Mm-hmm. You, in 19, just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. What, and then he says, 21, and he, he asks this kind of ironic question. What fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? He answers himself, the end of those things is death. Mm-hmm. And he clarifies that. Um, very nicely in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. Um, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. What fruit were you getting at the time? There's, there's a great passage I read recently. I wish I jotted down the reference, but just this phrase stuck out to me. I've read it probably a hundred times and it stuck out to me. Paul calls, calls sinful, he, call, he calls sinful desires. He calls them deceitful desires. And that just hit me and I was like, deceitful hmm. desires. Deceitful means trickery, right? It means like Satan slithering up to Eve and saying, you'll, you'll become like God if you do this. It is, it is the trickster swindling you in the street saying like, this is a genuine um, like Michelangelo piece right? or something like that, right? Like it's like, right. it's like telling, it's, it is intentionally lying, telling you you'll get one thing when in fact you'll get another. Deceitful desires. And I was like, whoa, my sinful desires, it's not just that they're wrong. It's that they're telling me that they're right. Um, so Paul asked, okay, let's reflect on that pattern of sin that you lead in pattern because he says lawlessness leads to more lawlessness. So what fruit exactly were you getting from that? He says, the fruit of those things is death. Mm-hmm. That's what that leads to. You can, listen, a lot of people do, and you can spend your whole life a slave to sin. Um, it, like, you will, you, will, you will have the desire to. Um, you may find a temporary um, sort of false pleasure in those things, and then you will, you, like, you will bear the fruit of that, and you will receive your wages from your master. Uh, which is death. Um, and then, but also all throughout this passage, he contrasts what being a slave of sin is versus what being a slave of God is. He says, thanks be to God that though you were once slaves of sin, you've become obedient. Listen to this. I love this. I love this. You have become obedient from the heart. Mm-hmm. to the standard of teaching to, what, to which you were once, to which you were committed, sorry. And you've been set free from sin and you become slaves of righteousness. And he says, just, you did once present your members as slaves to impurity, the lawlessness, the more lawlessness. But then he says, so now in this, in the, with the same fervor, right? And so I, I love, because when you sin, you want to sin. 
right? Like that's what you believe will make you most happy. That's the thing that like um, gets you through the day almost, right? Like, like genuinely you love to do those things. Um, and then he says, so now in the same way, present your members as slaves to righteousness. Mm-hmm. So now you're, let your desire be for God's will, for right living. Let that be what gets you through the day. Like on our topic of food and water and sustenance, thirst for those things. He says, now let righteousness be that which sustains you. Yeah. And he says, what fruit uh, were you getting at that time for the things of which you're now ashamed for the end of those things is death. Um, oh, you know, do not just notice in that. He wasn't saying that the fruit they were getting at that time is death. He says, but what was the fruit you were getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? And then he says, the end of those things is death. In other words, you might be getting different fruit, but guess where it ends? And that actually plays into the deceitful desires things really interesting because it might give you false hope of saying, hey, this is sort of making you happy. This is Mm -hmm. um, making you feel powerful. This is making you feel loved and respected. But, and that's the deceitful part because it seems to be good. And then it ends in death. That's interesting. I just noticed that. Um, but then he says, but now, and he uses this term again, you have been set free from sin and you've become slaves of God. And he says, now the fruit you get is, leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So instead of like the, the work you are doing, the following of your desires, the thing that sustains you, what you hunger and thirst for, now, instead of it leading to death, it's going to lead to eternal life. And he says this, verse 23, it's very famous. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's an interesting contrast. He doesn't say the wages of sin is death, but the wages of God is eternal life, right? Like you can work um, Mm. for your wages from death and you can work for your wages from God. You just have to choose your master. He says, no, you can work to earn death. Don't worry, you will earn your wage. But then he says, the free gift of God. It's a very intentional contrast, I think, um, because you can work and earn death. That's why everybody deserves death um, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Um, But then he says, but the free gift of God. So you, you, you can't earn eternal life. It's something that is gifted given that's why he says you have been set free not that you said you didn't set yourself free he didn't say you escaped from sin he doesn't say you rejected your master he said you have been set free you've been brought out of that by somebody else i just love the way he exalts the power of god in this and then quinn i'll I'll turn this over to you now just one more kind of observation i'd love to just spend the whole time picking apart this passage because it's really really good um not that we're going to i'm just saying it'd be great we kind of um, have. <laughs> we, we have, for sure. It's, it's really, really important in this. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart. What do you think it means to become obedient from the heart? What's significant about that? He doesn't just say you've become obedient, right? He could have just said that. Why on earth add that clarification? What's the significance of the fact that though we were once slaves, and he says, thanks be to God, so clearly God has something to do with this. Um, He says, you've become obedient from the heart. And he ties that to being set free from sin. What's the significance do, do you see in that? phrase there yeah and i i think with that um from the heart it 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 means 
a perspective shift mm. on your end, mm. um, meaning that you actually love and you want to obey God. Mm. Um, because so often we can just do the things just because they're quote unquote good. Right. Um, but a, a being obeying God from the heart, um, it says to the standard of the teaching of which you were committed. Um, that means that means doing the things that that are actually right, mm-hmm. but not but doing it with a full heart mm-hmm. and fully devoted towards God. That mm-hmm. that that's different than someone who's just doing something just because, right? Um, just for selfish reasons, mm-hmm. even. Um, yeah, I would say doing it with with a pure intention and love for God mm-hmm. is is definitely what what kind of changes. That's good. You, t- I totally had something to ask you from what you said at the beginning of that there. Um, become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I didn't jot down the thought. I had my, I brought my pencil oh, to jot down man. thoughts that I had when you were, and I just didn't use it. And I have learned my lesson. That's all good. <sighs> How can people who maybe feel that they are living as slaves of sin, who are desiring the things of sin, who are desiring these things, and who don't feel that love towards God that you just said was so important? Is there a way that we as people can shift our own desires to want God. And not like like you said, like it's not a just like just obeying for any reason for it's not just doing the right things. It actually is significant only if it comes from a place of love of God. Do you see and genuinely does, like do you see, like is there a way to force yourself to love? Um oh, I remember what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, because it was on the subject of love because you said love needs to come like from the heart. It can't just be like a dutiful sort of thing. I, w- I was going to say, can you imagine any other relationship where that would work? I mean, neither of us have a wife, but you can imagine having a wife. Um, okay. You bring your spouse flowers, right? She's like, oh, like, thank you. These are my favorite flowers. And you're like, don't thank me. I didn't want to do it. I just like, it's my <laughs> duty. And so I just, I just had to. That would ruin the gift. The flowers don't mean anything anymore. <laughs> she, she would probably cry. Like, That's terrible. Um, but like, and she's like, oh, thank you for these. And you're like, yeah, it's like, I love you. Gen- like, this makes me so happy to do this for you. That's the reason that's loving. It's not loving because you're just doing it for the sake of duty. It's loving because like her joy is your joy. That's what love is. And so our love for God shouldn't be this cold duty of I will do what I have to, I guess. It should be, I'm only happy when you're happy, right? Like when you love somebody and they're upset, you're miserable. And when you love somebody and they're overjoyed, it's the best day of your life, right? And so I think that is maybe the essence of our love for God is what makes him overjoyed makes us overjoyed. And that should be the place that obedience flows from um, because we, we obey because obeying makes God happy. And if God is happy, we are happy. And so then it just feeds into itself like that. But what if somebody doesn't feel that? You maybe you don't hate God, but you're kind of like, you know, and maybe you're a believer, genuine, like you like you believe in Jesus and all this sort of stuff, but it doesn't bring you joy. Mm-hmm. Is there a way for us to force ourselves to feel joy? I would say not on our own. And I would say this because I think 
I think if you if you don't have if if you don't see any love or joy in knowing Christ, mm-hmm. um, I would say part of it is that you you haven't spent enough time with Him, mm. um, and maybe maybe you're still holding on to things, and maybe you're you're holding on to things, sin maybe. Yeah. Um, and so if you're holding on to that, that might have a tighter grip on you for that moment. Mm. Um, and I would say to fully know and see that love Mm -hmm. that is actually there and the love that you can have for God and experience from God, Mm -hmm. that means you got to let go Mm. of those things of, of your, your life in sin. Yeah. Because, because you can't experience the love of God and, and your love for God Mm -hmm. without getting rid of everything that is evil in you. But how can you do that if you love those evil things? Like genuinely, if, if mm-hmm. that's what, if that's what your heart desires, how can you get rid of it? How, like not, not even just like, cause God doesn't like, God wants you to desire him. Mm-hmm. How can you like change your own heart? Like how did, like, is that even something po- that's possible for you to change your own heart? I, I would say you have to allow God to change your heart. Nice. I would say you, if you if you're so stuck in those kind of things and mm-hmm. that sin, but you're like, I, I actually want to find this love. Mm-hmm. You, you got to pray that prayer. You got to say, mm-hmm. Lord, I'm helpless without you. Yeah. I'm stuck in this right now. I need you to change my ways because I don't know how else to do it. Nice. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gifts of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So ultimately, why does the Bible call us slaves? Because it is a, perfect picture of a relationship with God because of how he provides, protects, satisfies, and uh, satisfies us and how we serve him completely in love. And I think we can both land by saying that love, that changing of our hearts, that um, being obedient from the heart is the work of God changing our hearts. That's why God sets us free. And so this becomes a very prayerful thing, an identity that you get to live out. Um, And there's a lot we can get into, but we do need to wrap up the episode. So Wherever you guys are listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else, just love if you follow the show, leave a review, small way to help us, but it does make a big difference. Um, head over to Instagram at RevolutionPod uh, to see more about us, updates. Um, we have shows coming out every Tuesday, so hang in next week. Um, I think we are, it's our episode on Can Christians Be Demonized? Because uh, it'll be a week before Halloween. Um, we're, it, not, I we're, we're recording these things a few few weeks early. I thought we were doing the testimony episode. That's in November. My testimony. Oh, maybe we are. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Uh, we're recording a bunch of these early, so we're getting the stuff <laughs> mixed up. Anyways, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. See ya. Yeah.